What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the High Bar Podcast. Today we have episode 24, sitting down with the newest addition to the Team Nori coaching staff and one of my handsome good friends here, Nathan Tepis, just chopping it up, catching up. And uh, we have some things to talk to you guys about today, so we'll, we'll, we'll catch up and get going on the typical you know current events in the in the powerlifting world right now and what we have going on for 2024 and then we have some some other topics that we want to discuss but uh mr tipis how are we doing today hey man i'm doing uh i'm doing excellent man how are you i am great what do you have for dinner today have you eaten yet uh- well, so uh, I had had a little bit of beef earlier. Uh, I'm I'm really boring when it comes to my meals, man. Definitely, just like always, have pretty much the same stuff every day. But yeah, uh, what about you, dude? My group chat that I'm in makes fun of me all the time because, like, I'll post my food. They're like, "You have way too much free time to be plating your shit like that. <laughs> like, you need yeah. to get another <laughs> hobby." No, nah, man, you need to bring the nori plate back for sure. I know. I've been really lazy with posting about that between the nori plate between youtube i just have like a there's a subset for each of those followings of like three to five people who just constantly message me just like where is it you said you were gonna post where is everything why haven't you posted so yeah i definitely need to i mean i've been posting on my on my story but i just haven't posted to the page i don't know why it literally takes the same amount of time to do it but yeah man i had uh had some skirt steak had some rice Chopped a bunch of chives over it flamboyantly to garnish it, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, staying staying well fed, and uh, I am not boring with my food. It's like one of the. I, it's funny because like I think about how how much time I could save in my day if I just like meal prepped ground beef and rice and just threw it into Tupperwares, or <laughs> if I ate out. Or if I did like a meal prep service, because I'm not saving money with the way that I spend money on food. Like I buy all my produce organic, all the meat grass fed, buy like expensive, like artisanal cheeses. Like I'm not, I'm not sparing any money by cooking at home, which is the common reason people do it. And then I'm also wasting like three hours a day cooking, cleaning, plating. It's just, but it's fun. I enjoy doing it. So that's why I do it. Yeah, it's like I, I I bet it's a little bit like therapeutic, you know. And like again, like my my food doesn't look the best, right? Probably not as like aesthetic as yours, right? But at least it still gets the job done. It tastes pretty good. But no, it is almost like this thing where you know I think everybody just wants like the food now. Everybody just like justifies being super busy with their day, and everybody's super busy with their day. But no, I mean I think that's a good thing. I mean like it's better to take care of your health and feel good because then you get to play good when you know the weights are heaviest as well, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Are you getting back from the gym right now? Yep, just got back a little bit, Um, you know, just uh, had to, you know, kind of push a little bit today. So I'm glad I did. And, you know, now we're here, man. Yeah, just ready to roll. Where are you at in your training block right now? How hard is the push? How many kilos have you jumped up from last week per the Marcellus <laughs> planned progression? Right. <laughs> You know what? Um, so it was my secondary squat. It wasn't anything crazy. Um, I uh, first week of the block, I went like 352. Next week, 374. Next week, 397. Basically, just like you know, 10 kilo jumps, like like on the secondary. But definitely been taking bigger jumps on my primary and uh, post meet. 
everything on squat just kind of felt a little bit crappy. Started pulling twice a week off the floor, though. So that's been, you know, really awesome that I've been getting back to that. And uh, I've just been a little fatigued from that. But um, I think everything is going to start trending upward um, the next few blocks. And uh, my, my girlfriend and I went on a cruise, too. So that kind of just threw a wrench in, you know, some of the, you know, uh, previous block. Uh, the last block I just did, obviously, but um, yeah, just getting my just, uh, you know, legs back under me. I'm feeling really good, though. Um, and yeah, bench stays loyal the whole entire time, even though I missed like three sessions, you know, uh, back to back to back. But um, yeah, just uh, been pushing again. It feels really good to be just, you know, back on a good schedule and just grinding again, for sure. Yeah. Have you missed training like that in recent history? Absolutely not. Even when I'm like, I, I just, I'm not really wired like that. Like it, there's been so many, like, uh, just things, you know, like thrown my way the past few years that like, I feel like, you know, and again, I'm not better than anybody like in, in this, like, you know, uh, like stretch, but like, you know, uh, my brother was in the burn unit one time. He had like a anaphylactic, you know, uh, reaction one time and I, I didn't miss training. Like I just, I was like, you know, I, I stayed the night with him in the hospital a few nights, but I just went and trained and, you know, it, it makes you feel better. It makes you feel like, you know, you still have a duty to yourself and your lifters and like, you want to just show up, you know what I mean? For you. And like, he wants me to be there too, you know? Um, and like, yeah, I just, I don't really, you know, I got my wisdom teeth pulled like a couple of years ago, didn't miss anything. Like, you know, uh, COVID I just, you know, I just missed, uh, like, just an off day, you know, I was off that day anyway, you know, came in, still hit my week four, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't really matter to me to be honest. You know, I don't, I really tend to not miss, but when I was in, uh, on the cruise, you know, there's, it's a Smith machine and I'm like, yeah, that thing is just trash. You know, and I just, I couldn't get anything good in, you know, and I just kind of took time, you know, uh, to just kind of hang out with, uh, you know, my girlfriend's family and her, you know? Yeah. This man's carrying the boats and the logs. Right. <laughs> hey man, C-bum squats like six plates on the Smith machine. So. Right. No, I, you, no excuse. Yeah. No excuse man. for me. For Dumb. sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, he's got the wheels for days, man. No, he's, he's the goat, but no, for sure. No, that's good, man. Yeah. No, I can't, uh, aside from when, uh, when Laney and I went to Banff, I can't remember the last time that I took multiple days off of lifting. Honestly, I don't know. Like even after, like after we finish comps, like I'm at the gym, like the next day with like all the people who, you know, cause like people go to Nats and it's like, they, uh, you know, they're there to like spot and load or they're there to watch. So they're just like at the whatever gym is like popular for the week. And they're like, why are you here? And I'm like, because I'm mentally ill. I don't know. That's <laughs> it's go time, man. It's uh, it's back to the grind, man. You know? Yep. No, exactly. So. Speaking of go time, we have about five weeks till the Arnold. You will be there, correct? Yes, sir. I definitely will be. Yeah, I'm. I'm very excited to see everybody because it'll be, you'll be there. Aiden will be there. Jaron will be there. Um, I just hope that it's because is you've been to the Arnold before, right? Or no, is this your first time? No, um, I used to go to the expo a lot, like growing up um, yeah. back in like my like bodybuilding days. But uh, yeah. now I just go for the, you know, powerlifting. And uh, no, I've been there a couple of times. Yeah. 
I'm just picturing you in the expo wearing like a Legends of Aesthetic stringer carrying around like one of the gallons of like the muscle egg. Do you remember that? Did you ever oh, drink yeah. that stuff? No, no, I, I always saw it though. But no, I was I was more on like the uh the pump chasers, like Matt Ogus, uh, you know, like rivalry, you know, like the Chris Jones of like the Hodge twins guys and uh, okay, those okay. Guys. Yeah. Got it. Dude, but yeah, no, for sure. It was it was flavored egg whites. You've, <laughs> you've never had it. It was disgusting. I remember like and you like when you're into fitness, you convince yourself that like a lot of these like fitness foods taste good. And I just remember trying it one year at the expo. It might've been my first or second year at the expo. I was like, let me go in. And there's, you know, like the booth of, you know, whatever, like, you know, group of fitness models that they hire to be handing out like the samples. And it's like cookies and cream flavored liquid egg whites. And it was just the most <laughs> repulsive battery acid I've ever tasted in my entire life. But I'm, I'm very excited. My only concern, I mean, for people listening, I'm sure some people know, maybe some don't, but we were in jeopardy this year of not even having the Arnold. Um, not that the pro series finale would not have happened, but it was potentially not even going to be in the venue, which for people who were in a position to win money, you know, they'd probably show up anyway, because if you can win 20,000, 10,000, 5,000, 2,000, it's worth going regardless of where it is. But what makes the Arnold so exciting is not that it's the USAPL Pro Series finale. It's that it's at the expo. And that weekend, you see so many people that you really only get to see, honestly, once a year. Because, <clears throat> you know, nationals, you see everyone who's like still in the sport. But there are a lot of people who were previously in the sport who maybe have since left or they're tangentially related, you know, friends you might have in the bodybuilding or just fitness space. And that's really the only time of the year that you get to see all of them in one place. So had it been moved to some third party location, I would have been super bummed. Now it's like we have a spot secured, but it's not C-Pod. And like I was talking to somebody at the gym today who is doing the Arnold and I was like, oh, it's the best meet. And then I stopped myself for a second and I'm like, wait, it's not going to be in C-Pod anymore. So it might suck. But I didn't say that out loud because it's her first time doing it. So I didn't want to be like, oh, yeah, no, it's going to suck because right, yeah. you don't want to put that thought in somebody's head. So I was like, yeah, it's in a new spot. Like, I hope it's as good. Like all the previous years have been great, but I don't think it's going to be as good because it's in the convention. It's in the expo itself. But it's not like the, you know, 2018 to 2022 era of like the Grand Prix where it was, you know, on the main stage. It's like in a corner of the expo. And the way that C-Pod was set up was great for vendors. It was great for viewers. You obviously don't have to worry about the expo itself and all the 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 critters that roll through there. <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be uh it'll be interesting, but I'm definitely very excited to see people there and uh and compete. So, it'll be we'll make we'll make a good time of it regardless. Right, yeah, no, for sure. Um I think it'll be an awesome time and uh it'll just be awesome to see like a bunch of people you really only see like once or twice a year. Um like you said, um I do remember I think during COVID, right? There weren't like spectators at that one too. I I yeah, wasn't dude, it was it was strange because we weird. had that was uh I'm just trying to remember. So the year that that COVID hit, we had a normal Arnold, 
And then the next year, it was no spectators. It was, I mean, you remember that that whole year was like a freaking simulation. Like the shit that we did was just so ridiculous. Like I remember, I remember at the Arnold and I remember at Collegiate Nationals that year, it was just so ridiculous where, you know, you have, obviously everyone has to wear a mask, but then you have like, you walk into a warm up room and you see like people pulling down their mask, like shoulder to shoulder, just like shoveling food into their mouth or <laughs> You know, five feet away from that, some equip lifter warming up and just like the baby powder aerosolizing whatever, whatever you're breathing in, whatever you're breathing out is floating around in that baby powder. And I'm just like watching it and I'm just like, this is, you know, this is, this is fake. Like, this is not, I can't believe that we're, we're just a big sigh up. <laughs> yeah. We're just playing this, this circus game, but you know, that, that, that Arnold in 2021, I think it was. That was definitely a a weird one. Um yeah, wasn't wasn't the uh the best time, but it'll be good to see everybody there. Um, you know, we have a lot of a good group of people competing. You know, I have a handful of people competing on my roster. Uh Jaron, I think, has Kyle DeLeon competing. Um so yeah, I'm I'm stoked, man. I think uh I think we have a good year coming up. I think that uh a lot of people listening maybe don't know, but you know we have a uh, seminar geared up or you know slated on the schedule for uh, July. We're going to be going to New York. Um, the plan right now is to host a seminar at Hype Gym, and then make a trip a couple days later, or I guess really the next day, up to uh, to Boston and and do a seminar there. So I'm 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 ready to see Nathan the presenter. That's what I'm that's what I'm ready for, man. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, no, that that'll be fun. Um, the only time I ever like really uh did like public speaking was like back in college. Like I had to present some like at some political conference in front of like different professors and stuff. And um that was pretty nerve-wracking. But like this is definitely like more my forte. Like I definitely think I can present like, you know, some pretty good information out there. Definitely need to just start really just, you know, uh hammering away at like what we're gonna be talking about and everything. And yeah, that'll be that'll be like a really good test for me for sure. It'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun just being with like the whole team anyway, you know. Yeah. Reaching out to other coaches and just other like strength coaches in the area too. Never been to New York either, so that'll be really fun. Yeah, I mean that's that's been the common sentiment, you know, even though it's you know, I guess not for you it's not a super long trip, but like for Jaren it's a crazy long flight, but he's like, "Yeah, I've never been to New York and if you've never been, then that'll be great because while I don't think that there's like a ton to see in New York or, you know, not, it's not the best place to be anymore by any means, but I think there's a lot of stuff that we can see while we're there. The food that we're going to have, I already have, have plans of where we're going to go, which will be exciting for people listening. Some people might know that I'm a big sushi snob. Maybe other people don't, but New York is like the hub in America, obviously, you know, Tokyo or sorry, not Tokyo, but Japan aside, um, you know, New York is like the place. So we're definitely going to have some outrageously delicious food. And then uh, it'll be fun because we'll be presenting to people who are not powerlifters that first day. So I think that uh, it'll be interesting to, I mean, we already have ideas of what we're going to talk about, but it'll be interesting to basically apply the powerlifting coaching 
principles to general strength training for gen pop type athletes or just people looking to get into strength and then applying the online system to people who don't really have a framework to be coaching online because like a lot of the trainers that work in like new york obviously they're doing a lot of their stuff in person which is obviously more money per per unit time um but you know you're limited especially like during covid right like people were very heavily limited in what they could do um and for like us powerlifting coaches like we were fine people you know put a home gym or they work out at a buddy's garage or whatever like i remember i got more inquiry inquiries than ever before during covid so i know that there are definitely guys and i've spoken to a couple who like are trying to figure out how to enter that space you know so it'll be good a good time and i think that you are probably you know uniquely equipped because you have a background in public speaking but also it's like your natural temperament to talk like you know people listening like every every tuesday we do our mentorship calls me and nathan and like we just ramble and don't shut up for like probably two and a half hours every week so i have i have no doubts that you'll be uh you'll be solid man i'm stoked well, thank you, man. No. And like, I really look forward to our time together uh, during the mentorships too. And uh, yeah, it's just more so like trying to be clear and concise with what I want to uh, just talk about too. Cause you know, I just, I think I can definitely probably cut to the chase a little bit quicker um, and just not really dance around points. Just make sure that like, you know, we just stay like stay on task essentially with what we're talking about too. And uh, I mean, yeah, like I, I understand, I definitely understand, um, you know, because I used to be like a personal trainer in person and, uh, you know, then went, you know, remote, uh, to like, you know, online coaching and, you know, it's, uh, I just really tried to, and I still to this day really try to, you know, use all the skills that I learned and like all the interpersonal skills I learned and all the communication that, you know, I tried to, you know, learn like in person and just like apply it online, you know, because this stuff's hard, you know, I mean, like everybody, you know, uh, wants to get into coaching and then, you know, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit more difficult than people want to like admit, you know what I mean? Especially if you want to be a high level, high communicator, um, and just, you got to have just like so much more passion than just like doing it as a job to make money. Like you have to really care about these people and like put them in the best positions possible to be successful. You know, just like everyone you've ever worked with. Like, you know, I really try to treat everybody, every lifter I've had, the exact same, like whether, you know, one of my, you know, athletes, like, you know, PRs a squat for 200 pounds, as opposed to 500 pounds, like I, I get stoked just as much, if not more for the person like doing like less or more, you know what I mean? Like, I just should always try and, you know, treat every lifter the same, but um, yeah, I, I haven't done in-person training in a while though. It's been, it's been a minute. And like, if I have any of my athletes at my current gym, like I'll definitely still help out. Like I'll definitely, still like if I can watch a squat in person, like, you know, the, the, there's nothing better than being able to just at least see a little bit of something in person from one of your athletes. And, um, I only see Marcellus like one or two times per year. So when I do, like, I, I hope I'm training, you know, and like, we just, we get together and like, I ask him, I'm like, Hey, like, you know, can you spot me or just like, it's always, it's always good to have your coach like around, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I, uh, I feel very fortunate that in my coaching experience, like when it really started, like, of course I had like a few like all-star athletes that I coached remotely early on, but the bulk of my time coaching was 
spent in person, even though it was quote unquote online powerlifting coaching, because surprisingly, MIT had a massive group of powerlifters and I coached pretty much all of them. Like I was, I was doing the count the other day and I think I coached in totality and probably for a while there was like full attendance of this list, like 15 people at MIT. And we all would, for the most part, say, hey, we're going to train at this time every day. And you, you'd share a rack with one of them or like be looking directly at them, you know, in between sets. Cause like the way that the, the rec center was set up at MIT was like kind of those like double-sided cages where it's like one is, you know, basically you're, you, if you wanted to, you could squat staring into somebody else's eyes if you wanted to. And there were two of those right next to each other. So it was just based on height. We'd be like, all right, short guy squats with short guy, tall guy squats with tall guy. And like, that was every night. So it, even though it was, you know, my, the start of my online powerlifting coaching career, I was getting reps in every single day doing it in person. Um, and obviously, you know, there's, we could talk forever about why that's, you know, so valuable, but, um, yeah, no, dude, it was, it was a good time. I always want to go back. I always want to go back and visit and like train at the, uh, the rec center is just that when I first started to feel that nostalgia to go back, it was like during COVID. And I remember, cause there were a couple of people I knew that were still there saying like, they were basically subjected to like nearly daily COVID testing or, um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like, it, it was a point where like trying to even go to the rec center would have been just jumping through too many hoops where I didn't, but obviously now we're way removed from that. So I'll probably go back at some point and make myself feel better lifting on the questionably calibrated pound plates that they have there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, dude, I, uh, I had, I just had a couple questions for you. I mean, I'm sure people want to know because, you know, obviously we've been working together for a few months now and I've said this to you. I think we probably said that on, on the, uh, on the first podcast, that we were on together that, you know, what you said before about just the amount of detail and the amount of passion you have to have to do this job. Like that's obviously what, what brought me to the conclusion when we were standing there in the warm up room at Nats, I was like, yep, he's going to be on the team. No question in my mind. I have to offer him this, this spot. So I'm sure people are wondering how this has been going. Like what, what have you, uh, you know, gleaned in our, in our time working together? Do you have any particular, you know, particular goals, um, you know, for, for this coming year? But I guess the first thing I'm curious about is, cause I think a lot of, I, I want to say a lot of people listening are like, are like nerds about this stuff. I've, I've kind of found that to be the case when I, when I try to, you know, get feedback from people about the podcast. It's like, it's kind of a split between people who just like love listening to it in the car and people who just like love the programming stuff. Cause we had a, we had a couple really insightful mentorship calls recently. And I'm curious, like what things that we discussed maybe put you outside of your comfort zone and what things have you like maybe implemented or, you know, stopped implementing whatever it might be just like any sort of like really interesting problem solving situations that you've run into as of late yeah so um you know like i think uh trying to just like pinpoint one of them but um i think 
like, you know, all the mentorships have been great. And like, you know, I've learned so much just like from them. And, uh, you know, one of the last ones we did, like definitely put me like out of my comfort zone in, in terms of like, just, um, you know, like I kind of like starting off my powerlifting career, I'd always keep primary lifts like very close to each other. And like, that's just always how like, I kind of like, you know, like did things right. But now that I've like had like more experience and like more time to kind of like, you know, toy with and tinker with like different things, um, just being able to like space out primary sessions and just like, you know, kind of see, because in powerlifting, you know, like, I mean, you won't know like if something's working or not only just after like a block, like it's it just, sometimes these things take a while to like see trends and like, see like the data kind of like, you know, spread across, you know, like eight weeks, 12 weeks, 16. And, um, you know, I, I think just, uh, you know, with, uh, just kind of like, you know, trusting like my gut and just being like, okay, I think this is what is going to work based on like prior data from the lifter and like just seeing how they move as a lifter too. I think my intake process has gotten a lot better since I've been under team Nori. Um, and just like, you know, doing our mentorships together as well. Um, is just kind of just making like better calls for each lifter. Like, you know, should we like have, you know, this squat session, like, you know, two days after the next one, or should it be three days removed? And just like, where does, where do deadlifts go now? And then like, where do like all the benches kind of like, you know, trend, like which day are we like, you know, uh, having the best, uh, you know, performance on, you know, and just, I think I've done a lot better since I've been on the team with actual data tracking too, instead of just being like, Oh, like, you know, this, this work, this one block. And then, you know, it's just, I don't want any of my stuff that I give people to be random. Like it, it has to have some sort of systematic approach. And like, even before we started working together, I always thought I had a good system. And a lot of the stuff that I did before was working and like it's validated, but then there's other things where I'm like, okay, like I could probably actually, you know, give this person a little bit more dose of squat or like a little bit more, like, you know, higher intensity, like, you know, sets a bench and everything. And, you know, I've just learned a lot in, in general, you know what I mean? Like this has been like extremely valuable, like for me, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So, um, yeah, I mean, just like one of my lifters, um, just got off of like a meet and I'm very excited for her because, you know, we're, we're keeping some stuff the same, but then we're like, you know, making like some other stuff different, just uh, adding like a little bit more frequency to her lifts, I think is just going to like make her pop off. And, um, you know, for her, it's like, you know, she got into powerlifting and like, I didn't want to just make her hyper specific to the big three. Like I wanted her to like, get like, you know, more generalized, you know, strength, you know what I mean? And just, I, I think, uh, you guys did a powerlifting now video on, um, you know, just lifters getting into the sport and getting super burnt out because they get like hyper focus on like the SBD and, uh, you know, they, they can't even dumbbell press, you know, the, the, the seventies yet, you know what I mean? And like, again, that's arbitrary, right. You know, but it's like this thing where everybody wants a big bench press now or a big squat now, but they won't do like, you know, uh, the accessories as hard as they can, or like, they're not giving themselves time to like, kind of like grow up mature and actually get, you know, some like actual muscle on them. You know what I mean? So, um, mm. I think from like a, I'd like, I think from like a data tracking standpoint, um, I've gotten a lot better and just like, you know, terms of just seeing like what trends kind of like, you know, are happening for each lifter, you know, like that's a big one.
you yeah. know and uh yeah i uh i i tend to program very sub max and uh i've gotten um i still do that for a lot of lifters but now i'm really starting to like push some other lifters a little bit more because some other lifters like you know can take a little bit more you know and like we also talked about that like not everybody is uh you know bob or ashen petrie some of these guys that can be very sub max like with their back downs, but they take massive jumps and they all crush accessories. And like, sometimes like, you know, some lifters have to take smaller jumps and be a little bit more hyper specific with like their warmups and their block progression too, mm -hmm. you know? And so just a lot of things, man, just a lot. It's been, it's been amazing. It's been very eye opening too, you know, because what I did in the past, I feel really good about, but there's so many things I can do like better going forward too, you know? Mm -hmm. And my, my goal as a coach is to put everybody I work with in the best position possible to be successful, you know? And uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, your, your first block isn't going to look like, you know, your 19th block, right? Like, I mean, it's, you know, sometimes you have people under you for, you know, a year, you know, three years, four years, and like, it's, it's going to look a little different, but like the goal is to just find, you know, like you say that, that golden microcycle, that's just going to last, you know? And like, we're actually going to like, you know, it's just not random. We're not throwing just crap at the wall. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It is, it is pretty wild to think like, you know, with, you know, I'll just go backwards with everything that you were saying, you know, you're mentioning like mentioning like the golden microcycle, so to speak. I mean, there definitely are times where we completely reestablish what we believe to be the the best thing for a given lifter and i talked about that a bit on next month so february's powerlifting now video specifically in the context of like someone coming back after like a long period of of like injury or rehabbing or resetting um because stephen day and uh david chan were the two lifters that i talked about there both of both of which had like pretty uh, you know, pretty severe injuries and just went through like long stints of having to like really do the bare minimum or like repattern, uh, you know, certain movements so that when we came back, what worked wasn't necessarily what had historically worked. So those, those instances definitely required some pretty dramatic changes, but it is pretty impressive that like within the like current model or understanding of programming where we're like not really changing a lot of things often, um, what tends to work best is so robust. Like it, it, it usually lasts for a really, really long time. Um, and when you can run something like that for a really long time, it's, it's usually pretty easy to figure out what needs to then change when something's not working. Um, which is great because then, you know, the modifications you make are, are pretty, uh, you know, you can feel very confident in those changes. Um, Another thing you brought up that I think is really interesting is like the concept of, you know, like the submaximal stuff. I mean, we all program submaximally. Nobody's programming to the point of failure for for your all your working sets that you'd be toast, you'd be injured, um, or you just wouldn't get better. And but obviously there's been this like, you know, sh shift um towards being like even, you know, maybe more submaximal especially, you know, in like Marcellus's case and obviously he's your, you know, he's your coach. So that was a huge influence there. And prior to him, Brad was big on, on like Brad kind of started that trend of, of, of programming a bit more submaximally. So there's no doubt that there's been influence down the chain and it's been, and it's super, super successful, right. For the vast majority 
of lifters. Um, but something that's interesting about that is, and I've had this conversation with one of my female lifters before, specifically with her bench press is like, she was like, Oh, I want to give myself space to like progress week to week. And I had to explain like, look, one to be able to do that kind of requires that you already have like a reasonably high level of fitness, meaning that like your body is adapted to the training that you're doing, because in order for you to like reset and start light, your fitness kind of needs to ride high enough that you can afford to build up or that you are on the upswing in terms of loading. Like for some people, there are periods of training where like the start point and the end point kind of need to be more closely clustered. Like you don't need to reach a crazy heavy end point and you don't need to have a crazy heavy start point, but like there are blocks. And like, I, I do this with some of my lifters. I don't know if, if like some of the powerlifting now guys do or, or whatever, but there are certain periods of training where when you can recognize that people are kind of in that state of like, we don't really have momentum. We kind of are detrained. Like there might be blocks. Like it could be a four week period where like you start a little heavier and you end not too far off RPE wise. Like we don't need to go from like six to nine. Like you might start a block at seven and end it at eight. Right. And like give yourself the opportunity to rebuild that fitness, reclaim that comfort under the bar in a physiological sense, not just a psychological sense. And then you can start kind of the normal wave of, uh, of progression that you have. And I think the thing that I wanted to like wrap all this up with before we move on, because I don't want this to be just like a, a super programmy rambly kind of podcast thing. But I think that, and I've said this recently is like, I think that powerlifting coaching is in really good hands. Um, but I also can notice sometimes, and I think we've all been guilty of it. I know I have, I would be foolish to say I haven't, but I can tell when lifters are just kind of like, they're almost like backwards solving their program. Like the way that I would uh, like, uh, give an analogous example is like, you know, you're studying for a test and you have like the answer key for the test and you look at the answer key and you're like, oh, I like, I would have been able to solve that. Right. And like you, you kind of go through solving it while you have the answer key and it just, it, it's, it's not the same, right? Like there's a, there's a, uh, you know, almost like a false level of confidence in your command of the principles. And we, we're going to see that forever. Um, but the reason I bring that up is like, when it comes to experience and what like experience really means in this sport, when I think about it is like, if you're very smart, if you're very smart and you care a lot, like you could become a really good coach really quickly. Like I don't, I don't adhere to the idea that like a lot of boomers have and they're, they're not as common anymore, but like maybe five years ago, you'd hear some of those like, you know, USAPL certified coach type guys be like, I've been in the sport for 15 years. What do these Instagram coaches know? And it's like, they're having their lifters do like 10 by one box squats. Like it's just, you know, we know who the, where the, where the gap is. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't necessarily adhere to that concept of experience. Like I think there are some people who genuinely get good really quickly, but I think being around for kind of like the cultural shifts in what programming is like is huge because, you know, I think about how many waves of like programming methodologies I've been around for and I use all of them to some degree, right? And it's like the 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 fundamentals you can learn in one generation. Like you can learn, you know, what works. Like if you if you watch powerlifting now, like you can learn like the the strategy. You can learn the the methodology. You can form a good model. Like 
you could just spam, you know, just spam videos for a couple months and you'll be, you'll be good fundamentally. But I think that being present for these, these waves or changes of what goes in and out of popularity is important because while you can, you know, um, you know, upon trying something kind of see surface level, like, oh yeah, like this makes sense why it works. I think unless you like kind of make your way through multiple years of like trying to adhere to your biases and then realizing like, oh, let me, let me try this thing that like has come into popularity that seems to make sense and see how it works. It's like not until after you've done that, that you start to realize that what maybe is, you know, now popular, not because it doesn't work, it does work. But now when you're, you know, years removed after three cultural shifts of what programming looks like, you can characterize why it worked three years ago, but maybe not now, right? Like we've talked about it on powerlifting now, like, you know, people used to squat three days a week. Like that was like the, that was the shift a few years back where like, you want a big squat, like you have to squat three days a week and it worked, right? It, it worked. But then for some people now it stopped working, right? And you wouldn't know why it stopped working or when it's applicable to the degree that someone who's been around for not squatting three days to then squatting three days to now not really squatting three days. Like it's less common now, right? And now we know how to characterize like why it worked for some people in that middle period and why maybe it worked for a little bit and then just like someone got hurt or it just stopped working entirely for someone now, right? Like I think the ability to characterize more deeply is something that comes from that, that experience. And, um, you know, I guess just to tie it all together with you, you know, being on the team and you feeling like you've learned a lot, like I'm excited to learn from you because, and I know you might like think like that's, you know, you know, like a, a maybe a lighthearted comment or something, but I mean it very sincerely because specifically when I think back to like the Hawaii seminars that we did, there are things that Jaron and Aiden taught who, again, Jaron started coaching during, you know, maybe a little bit before COVID year when we hired, you know, when we brought him on and Aiden started coaching maybe a year or two after that. And it's like the things that I've learned from their, you know, internal analysis of the, the, the set of things that you can do. I mean, I mentioned this, I think on a webinar, like there was something that Jaron taught at one of these seminars that I was like, I'm going to try this, see what happens. And it completely 180'd one of my lifters benches who was stuck forever. Like I could not figure it out. Um, so something, something iron sharpens iron or something. <laughs> right. No, absolutely, man. <laughs> Now that I'm quoting Iron Sharpens Iron, we're going to take a, a hard shift here because I've been wanting to talk to you about this because I don't think we've really had too much of a sit down about this. This might be polarizing for some people, but I want to talk about Christianity in, in the fitness space because something I've been noticing that's honestly so funny is I walk into the gym that I train at now in uh, in Las Colinas, so in, in just outside of Dallas, is like... It's bad. Like there are, <laughs> it's, it, it's bad. Like it's like a mating grounds. Like it's not, there's bad stuff that goes on there, right? It's just, you know, m men and women like signaling to each other with mating calls and, you know, 
promiscuous outfits and all that sort of stuff, right? It's like, it's Sodom and Gomorrah. But at any rate, on the opposite end of that, I have never seen so many people wearing crosses in a gym in my entire life. It's like the entire world is represented in this microcosm of absolute recomp Las Colinas, where you have like half the gym is split of just like being this like depraved, materialistic, like over-sexualized group. And then you have a 50% group of just like Christ crusaders wearing like Jesus loves you shirts or like crucifixes around their neck. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but I feel like this has been in the past. I mean, maybe it's been, it's been a little bit more than this just because of where my faith has been at in terms of how long I've been in it. But it feels like within even the past year, there's been a dramatic, dramatic shift and dramatic, dramatic return toward Christianity amongst People in fitness, I'm sure people in general, but obviously we're in the fitness space, so that's what I see. Yeah, man. No, it's it's very interesting too. And like, you know, what's funny too. Um, you know, sometimes I'll ask, like, even some of the uh people that wear crosses or wear rosaries, I'm like, oh, that's so pretty. Like, you know, uh, like are you are you Catholic? Are you non-denominational? Like, what are like, you know, like what what do you do? And like you know, sometimes they're even like, no, nah, I just wear it. You know, it's, it's pretty cool, you know, so you got to watch out for those people. too. <laughs> no, oh, it's just an but, accessory. Yeah, just an accessory. And like, that's, it's just such not the reason why to wear something like that. Like you already know, and it's just, it, that is annoying, right? Oh, I love, yeah. the, I love the hat, by the way. <laughs> the, oh, cup of hat. the cup of hat. It's corduroy, <laughs> man. Nobody can see it on this podcast because we don't have video, but it's, <laughs> it's nice and soft and smooth, man. Yeah, no, it looks it looks nice. No, um, you know what's funny, man? Like that's it's so real. I mean, like I don't live in the most uh let's say conservative like, you know, uh area. So, I mean, like obviously in, you know, in Texas, like I mean, you get so many believers, which is great. Um, and like again, I'm I'm in a pretty non-believer, you know, like, you know, area. Um, I still like have Christian friends around me and um I keep them very close. And again, I even have like non-Christian friends that, you know, like you always want to be around people and like try and plant the seed. But again, just like love people, like love your neighbor like Christ does. And, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it, it is funny though. Like, I mean, you see like some of these people in both men, men and women, I want to be try, I want to try to be totally fair, but I mean, the mating ground stuff, you're, you're pretty much right on the, right on the head with man. It's, it's this thing where, you know, and, and like the gym is like one of the only places I really go now. Like, I mean, I'm not really like, I mean, I definitely partied like growing up. I'm I'm 28 now. I mean, that phase is pretty much over. Like, I'm definitely trying to just grow up, mature, like get like, you know, like everything together, stuff like that. And like that stuff kind of like gets, uh, uh, it gets old, like after a while, you know what I mean? You go to the same bar, you see, you see the same people have the same conversations, the same lifestyle. It's just, it's not very fulfilling, you know? But uh, no, I mean, honestly, like that, that is funny you say that because, you know, like you see all these, uh, all these people, it's like you either have a villain arc, right? With your reel or like you're a Christ crusader, right? Like you're right. You know, it's, it's, but like, I mean, I'd rather have one or the other man, right? I mean, you don't need a villain arc in life, man. You need to just, I mean, I want to submit to Christ. I want to be everything I can be. And the only way I can do that is to love Jesus Christ and just like be selfless and just try to just like sacrifice my being and just, I mean, who am I, you know, to, you know, uh, be like, have any type of narcissism in myself and, 
I mean, you need an ego in life to survive. You can't let everybody just roll over you. Right. But, um, you know, like I've learned forgiveness, I've learned, you know, to take ownership, like for my actions and just, you know, I am not anywhere near perfect, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's just like trying to live for others and just try to not be too, um, too, uh, you know, I wouldn't say judgmental because I mean, like people need the truth. Like you need to tell people, like, I mean, that's a real friend. Like if somebody says, Hey, you know, you're effing up like that, that's a good friend. Like they don't want to, you know, take you down, but they just, they, they love you. They love your soul. They, they care about your well being, Right. And, uh, I know I'm a little bit all over the place, but that, this is so funny. It's that dichotomy, right? It's that like, okay, like everybody, you know, love Jesus and they want to, you know, uh, you know, just fulfill, you know, like themselves, like spiritually, or it's just like, uh, it's a, it's a slave fest, right? Everybody just wants to throw their flesh around and it just, it's, it's awful, you know? And like, I feel like celebrities today, I feel like everybody in the news and the media, like all these people we make famous for some reason, man, like, you know, uh, they just want to emulate them, you know, like their favorite celebrity, their favorite rapper, their favorite athlete, you know? And like, that's why I like Christ, like athletes, like, you know, CJ Stroud and, you know, like Lamar Jackson, like some of these guys out here, like that actually like are like in the faith or like, you know, and, and again, you have to kind of like be careful with that too. Cause sometimes athletes or celebrities will be like, Oh, like all glory to God, but then their actions don't really actually like, uh, reflect that. Right. So I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I, I've definitely grown closer to, to Christ over the years, even just being in the gym too. And like, it's funny because I think like, you know, a lot of Christians want to actually take care of their mind and their spirit. And like, that comes with like, you know, taking care of their body too, you know what I mean? And like, that's the thing, like, you know, God gives us all these, you know, these abilities, like our eyes, ears, like, you know, our, our strength, you know, it doesn't come from us, you know what I mean? And that's, that's kind of that narcissism I'm trying to get rid of is like, you know, I like, you know, the only reason why I'm able to squat and deadlift 500 plus like bench almost 400 pounds, like it's, it's not me, you know what I mean? That's the thing, you know, it's all, it's all glory to God always. I mean, even through the darkest times, you know, um, you know, God just throws so many like, you know, uh, trials and tribulations at us and we're better for them. You know what I mean? And like, I I'm thankful for my suffering in life. I'm thankful for my pain in life because it gets you to where you need to go you know? And, uh, yeah, I don't know that I know that was a lot, but I don't know. No, I, I love just had it. out there, you know, no, the, the, I, there's just so much more to it, but yeah. What were you going to say? No, dude, I, I appreciate you giving all of that. And I'm sure everybody listening will love to hear it as well. Well, maybe some people won't love to hear it, but that's Probably fine. <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, that's okay though. That's okay. Man. No, dude, I'm, I totally, uh, as someone who was atheist for so long, like when, and that's the thing is like a lot of, a lot of atheists, I think are very, uh, you know, they get very vitriolic when they hear stuff like this and they reject it very heavily. And having been on that side of the coin for so long, I kind of, you know, I, I don't get, I don't get bothered or angry by it because I know where it, I know where it comes from. And I think that those are people that you, you know, you have to show more, more patience toward. Um, I, I don't think that you get anywhere by, by being, you know, uh, combative like you're not even arguing on the same ground you know and because of that the arguing doesn't it doesn't it doesn't get you anywhere right um but i think with with the lifting space i guess the reason that i'm intrigued by it is that i feel like it's going to be so beneficial if it continues on this trajectory which i think it will 
for the entirety of the fitness space as a whole, because, you know, when I think about lifting and what it is, it's very much a, it's an individual journey. Obviously you power lift, you go to meets, you have a community, whatever, but like you're lifting weights, whether bodybuilding, powerlifting, it's an individual journey where the self has to become a priority, which as we know, if become, it becomes disordered is dangerous, putting yourself above all. Secondly, it's a, it's a journey of, of vanity, right? And putting your physical appearance or physical capabilities on a pedestal, plenty of people make idols of that. I know that I have in my life as well. And I think with how mundane fitness is, especially as you make your way further into it, it almost demands out of people, especially non-believers, it demands that idolatry. It demands that obsession because how are you going to keep yourself continuing to do more to get less out of it, right? Like this end thing looks so enticing and you have to keep putting more of yourself into it in order to get what you want out. Really, the only way that you can get there is by saying like, you know, either assigning an ex an extreme, an extremely high value to the self and saying like, I am worth getting this outcome and that getting this outcome is worth more than anything else because you're going to see how quickly you can, you know, backslide if you're not putting in a hundred percent effort to get diminishing returns every time you go in. And I think it just becomes a very disordered, very destructive thing for a lot of people and it doesn't even necessarily to need to be in the way of like, you know, eating disorders or steroid abuse. Obviously, that's a, a widespread issue that affects many people. Um, it can get that bad. But even in in less or seemingly less, you know, severe cases that are still very harmful is like a lot of people just become, you know, very selfish, very inconsiderate of like the people you know, who they care about in their lives time. You know, we hear people all the time like, oh, like, you know, I don't want to spend time with my girlfriend or my family or whatever because, you know, I need to get to the gym or, you know, you miss out on a lot of life. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have, you know, the priorities. Like if you have a meet coming up, like, should you be, you know, drinking and all this sort of like, no, right? Like it's not to suggest that you shouldn't have discipline and a plan and be consistent. I think those are all very, you can order yourself very healthily in those things, but I think it does manifest itself in a way that people feel a threat to the self if if something were to take that opportunity away. And I think in many cases that affects people negatively. So what I see is that I think a lot of people will be equipped to handle, you know, obviously their lives. We know that, you know, devoting your life to Christ in terms of how it helps you handle your life is it's invaluable. There's nothing like it. But I think that in the fitness space, just in general, I think that people will find a much more, um, or I guess a much less anxious, a much less neurotic, um, you know, lifting experience. I, I feel like a lot of people will, like you said, do it for the glory of God. They'll love what they do. They'll still have that, that fire, or that tenacity for the stage or the platform, whatever it is, but it doesn't feel like if I don't do this, I am less of myself or that in order to feel as though, you know, my, my life is together. I 
total this or I place this on stage. Like I just know in my experience, like I still go into the gym and I am as focused as I've ever been. I've never, I'm not going into the gym feeling any less intentful, aggressive, none of that. But the, 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 the stress response or the anxiety response to poor sessions, poor competitions, looming competitions, whatever it is, it's just not, it just, it's not there. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't stack up in any way to what actually matters. Um, and I think for a lot of people, especially those who maybe don't have the, you know, the constitution by themselves to kind of push through those, those periods. I mean, we all need, we all need God's grace, right. To be able to push through those periods, but especially those who maybe temperamentally are just weaker for lack of a better word. I, I think that people are just going to be completely transformed in their ability to, to have like a healthy relationship with their, their sport, their discipline, whatever it is. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, it's funny, man. Um, you know, just being under Marcellus for like the last four years, not only has he helped me with like, just, you know, trying to become the best powerlifter I can be, but really just helping me with my faith. And honestly, man, like he's said before, um, you know, you can't validate your whole existence through, you know, the gym, right? We can't validate our whole existence through, you know, uh, how much money we make or, you know, um, I, I watched a post the other day. It's, uh, from Steve Weatherford. He was, a uh, new, uh, he was a New York giant punter, uh, played a great game. He won the Super Bowl. beat, you know, my beloved Tom Brady, you know, no, uh, but he, uh, you know, he was like, you know, he's got a wife and kids and he said, you know, he felt empty that night of the, the Super Bowl. He, he, you can't fill a God-sized hole with how much money you make or how much you freaking bench press, man. Like, that's the thing. Like, I mean, you're going to be very sad at the end of the day, you know? And again, that doesn't mean we can't care about our squat max and like, you know, how we feel and like our health. Right. Um, you know, and like, like, that's the thing. Like, I mean, we get to use all these, you know, God given abilities, um, you know, for good, you know what I mean? Like, do you part, like, I, I actually just had a lifter come to me. Um, you know, I, I, probably won't give names, but like he, he said, yeah, I stepped away from powerlifting because I thought I was just doing it for vanity. I thought I was just doing it for self and he prayed about it. And, you know, he, you know, he's back in the sport and like, we talk, um, you know, every day, like we have daily communication and, you know, he's just an incredible young man. And I'm just so excited to work with him because, you know, just knowing that like you can do powerlifting for the right reasons. Like you can, you can love Jesus Christ and like have a relationship with him and also like be able to like, you know, display that strength that like, you know, he actually gave you, you know what I mean? That's the thing. Like, you know, I mean, what, what happens when you tear a pec? Are you your bench max? Are you as good as what you can bench press? Right. Like, I mean, you get, you get your, you know, quad, you know, torn, you know, uh, torn, right. Like, are you now like nothing, you know what I mean? And that's the thing, like, you know, powerlifting is an extremely important thing in all of our lives. Right. But it can't be everything or you're going to be very just broken at the end of the day. And like that vanity stuff is, is real too, man. Like, I mean, I've, I've even struggled with that back in the day. Like if, if I didn't like hit a certain lift, like you almost attach like your identity to that four plate squat that you just missed. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, obviously it matters, but like in terms of your soul and your salvation, like means nothing, man. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. Like when you, when you have 
like your ducks in a row with your faith, then everything else just becomes so much more worth it, you know, and just so much easier, man. Like, that's the thing, like, you know, through the trials and tribulations, man, we have, we have God's love, like through everyone. And like, you know, whether people like work on their relationship with Christ or not, like, you know, they're loved, you know, I mean, mean, like, imagine like, you know, some of these people out here. And again, it it really is how you're raised uh, to a point, you know what I mean? Like every, everyone under the sun knows about Christianity and Jesus Christ. And it's so easy in the media to just, you know, make fun of one religion over another. And like, that's for a whole reason too, you know? And, uh, you know, like if people knew they were loved, you know, like they just, they love themselves. They'd love, you know, their, their wives more, they would, you know, love and serve others even more, you know, if they understood that we're here for a reason and it's just, it's just to give, you know, or just to receive God's grace and like, just do something with your life, man. You know, it's just, I don't know. There's so many, there's so many things, you know, to even say about that, man. Like, you know, you can't fill a God-sized hole with a 500 pound squat. You're just, you're sad. You're sad at the end of the day, man, you will be, you absolutely will be. Cause then like, what happens when, when you get sick, what happens when, you know, you know, uh, just something happens in your life to where, and like, we're so quick to blame God, man. We're so good. I've done it. You know, like, I think everyone's done it. And I don't want to sit on this podcast and sound like I'm holier than thou. Cause I am not, we're, we're all wicked, sinful creatures at the end of the day. And it's just about striving to just do better and to renew our mind and actually just forgive others and just, just do better, man. You know what I mean? And just love others. Like even when people don't love you, it's just like, I've had resentment in my heart before. And like, you just have to quash it, man. Like that's, that's the animal in us, dude. Like we're so much more than that. You know, when we have an ever loving God inside of us, man. Um, I know that was a lot too, but yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? That's what we're here for, man. That's why we're on the podcast. I want a lot. I like yeah. it. Give like God a chance, man. This, man. Yeah, give God a chance, man. Like, I just, I don't know. Just submit. Like, you can't do this life by yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely, brother. Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed, like, if I had to think about, you know, like, there are people in my life, right, who I know are, like, not believers. And I think one of the biggest things, just to reference what you just said about submitting, is, like, there are a lot of people I know, some, like, really close to me, who, you know, I know why they don't, like, want to even seek God. Um, And it has to do with that submission. And maybe it's because in their lives, they've always felt a lack of control, right? It's like, you've never had the ability to, you know, call the shots for yourself. You've never had the ability to make decisions for yourself. You've never had the ability to, you know, uh, like rise above a crowd and be the one delegating and doing all this stuff. And like, part of the the maturing experience is is you know finding your identity right that's like what everybody talks about when they go to college or when they graduate college it's like finding who you are right and i think that for a lot of people especially those who go through that in life they finally feel this control this grasp of self that they never had before so the idea of giving that away is very threatening And I think that's probably why you see so many like, you know, not to be like crude, but like 
like the high test men or just like dudes who like kind of have always been in shape and been good looking and all this sort of stuff. They have no problem with that because they've, they've, they've lived their whole life still recognizing their brokenness, still recognizing their wickedness, but they've had the control. They've had the reins and they say, you know what? There's something better. But I think that for a lot of people who maybe aren't fortunate enough to have lived that way, see it as a threat in a lot of cases. So like you said, you know, give God a chance. I think that, uh, I think that we can, you know, if there's a, a message to, to impart here, um, and like what you said before, like of just, you know, not, you know, the, having a God sized hole and, and nothing being able to fill it. Like, I mean, I remember there was a time, like I would just have like a bad session in the gym and it would like, it would just like ruin my day. Sometimes my week, right? Like if I had to wait until the next time to come around to basically have any semblance of something exciting to do in the, it would ruin my day. It would absolutely ruin my day. And it's funny, like I remember, so for people listening, you know, I, I, I don't know currently where you stand, Nathan, in your faith. I am, I am Catholic. Um, obviously there are a lot of other, you know, people of, of different denominations, but in Catholicism, you participate in, in Lent, leading up to um, Easter. The Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church do it in varying degrees. And, you know, in, in Catholicism, there's some like minor fasting customs that you are encouraged to keep to. In Orthodoxy, it's a bit more strict, but you also are encouraged to like give up something for Lent, right? And it can be something that is a sinful proclivity. It could be something that you know that you maybe indulge in too much that isn't necessarily inherently sinful, but is an opportunity for you to fast and purge yourself of that, you know, desire. And for me last year, I I gave up swearing, which it went okay. I think I made it through the through Lent, having only cursed like either thirty one or forty one times. I can't remember the exact number. Oh but wow! Remember, wait, wait, wait. So you you wrote it down then, right? Oh yeah. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Yep. So I remember, so I was living in Miami at the time and we had a garage that just went up. And I remember I had gotten back from the grocery store and I, for everyone listening, I am schizophrenic and I drink out of only glass bottles with everything. So I had Pellegrino bottles in my, in my trunk. I had like this like pineapple juice thing in my trunk, all glass. And I'm driving up the, the parking garage and the entrance to the parking garage is steep enough that that bag with six glass bottles in it, all like a liter plus in size, made their way to the back of the trunk. So I get to my parking spot, I open the trunk and everything falls out and breaks. And like, it's not a big deal, but, um, you know... A previous me probably would have, you know, at the at the least cursed at the worst, just gotten angry and cursed that situation. Right. And just had it maybe not ruin my day, but just carry this air of anger or just pissed offness, at least for the another, you know, 15, 20 minutes, an hour of my day. Right. And I'd go and recount the story negatively to people that, you know, I would talk to in the aftermath of it. And I just remember laughing. I just like was started cracking up. I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like, you, you know, you can't believe that it happened, but 
your your instinct is to get angry and then as soon as like your brain and your soul kicks in you're just like oh this doesn't matter this is kind of funny like okay the money that i spent on this goes to waste but like does this matter no you know and like i think that that's probably the experience that so many people you know either who have come to god or are on their way to will have is that you know you give up your your anxieties, your worries, your fears to God, right? Because if you have any of those, basically what you're saying, even if it's not conscious, right? And this is kind of like one of the convicting things for Christians is like, there are things that we don't necessarily try to do, or we don't feel like we're like actively or, you know, intentionally like offending God. But in essence, what you're saying when you have those those fears, those anxieties, worries, angers about just circumstantial things, you're saying like, I don't trust your providence, right? I don't trust your outcome for me, right? Regardless of what happens. And I think that it's a very, you know, um, it's a very transform, I mean, it's very liberating, but it's a very transformative experience. And like, you'll, you'll notice it in the people around you. Like if someone truly is, you know, seeking God, um, and and seeks a transformed heart every day and mind and soul like they're they they're just different they're totally different and for the better you know it's like so many people have this misconception that people who believe think that they are you know better than other people or that once you like believe enough or do enough you're somehow you know um you know spared from from sin or you've ascended to a, a a higher level of of divinity than a human being can can hold and there's a quote from uh saint john chrysostom who's like one of the early church fathers who says like if you if you're and i think i'm attributing the quote to him correctly it's like if you're coming to church in in search of like holy men you're not going to find it you're going to find like a hospital for sinners right <laughs> And it's like, that's, that's what it is. Like, I think that people don't recognize that, you know, people who are truly Christian and understand the gospel are constantly examining their them, themselves. They're constantly examining their conscience um, to the point where like, you know, even like outwardly, someone might look at you and be like, oh, this person is so holy so pious so this so that and it's like you're going to find things that you you know you know are sinful you might find yourself quick to anger you might find yourself you know um you know falling into certain uh addictions that you have that maybe outwardly people don't know and um you know it's not it's not the same type of like destructive scrutiny that like a lot of like secular, you know, the secular mindset of just like having these insecurities that you pick away at, like you don't have that same destructive attitude toward those aspects of yourself because you understand that you are not those things. And in, you know, trying to turn away from them, it's, it's completely out of love and it's not out of this like self-hatred, self-deprecation, self-mutilation. Like it's, it's completely on the other side of the coin, but yeah, I mean that's this is obviously a big 180 from from what we were talking about, but the 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 to sum it all up and wrap it up in a bow nicely is I think that it will be good for the lifting community. 
No, I, I think so too. And like, that's actually, um, I just want to be a little self-reflective. Uh, um, that's something I've worked on personally is like, I was a very confident like person growing up. Um, I was a decent athlete. I loved, uh, I loved going to school, like meeting people. Like I was friends with the whole school, right? I had like so many different, like, you know, uh, clicks at my school, but everyone got along. Right. Um, and you know, it's this thing where like, you know, I was very confident, very, you know, uh, just, you know, kind of like happy. Right. And then you get kind of older, like, you know, serious stuff happens to you, like whether it's family stuff or, you know, the, this trial and tribulation happens to you and stuff. And then you just become like, when you don't really like feel loved or like you feel like you go through something, it's like, it's so easy to be self-deprecating. And, and, and again, you have to learn how to laugh at yourself. Right. I mean, just like, you know, I don't think you should be the butt of every single joke of your friend group. Right. Cause that gets annoying. But because I was always the nice one on my friend group, right? And I always take took the most crap, but it's like, you know, I'll, I'll beat you up, you know, or I'll try to, you know, but no, it's just, I don't know. It's just like, I'm not very self-deprecating anymore, man. Like, again, like that doesn't mean you can't take a joke. Like you have to laugh at yourself and, you know, you have to have a good time, right? I mean, you're allowed to be, you know, I, I think you should be able to make fun of anybody. I don't care if you're, you know, uh, Christian, non-Christian, liberal, conservative, like what, whatever you are, like you, you should like, I have a South Park mindset. Everyone can get it right. Dave Chappelle makes fun of everyone. I think that's great, right? Everyone should be made fun of. But what I mean is, is like everyone's so self-loathing today. Like it's something I've like seen on like it's the social media BS and like Hollywood, you know, stuff where like everyone covets what they don't have. Like everybody looks at another person doing better than them and they don't get like they don't get motivated by it. They get discouraged. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you have God's love, like you can, you can do better. Like you can do better for yourself. If you feel like, like what's a little anxiety in life when you have like the love of Jesus Christ, like what's a little pain and suffering when, you know, Jesus like bore his cross, like he suffered for us. Right. Like that's, that's the thing. Like when you actually submit and like, you're just like, Oh, I am loved. Like, you know, the, the crashing of the glass bottles, it, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, it kind of makes you a little upset for five seconds. And, you know, you did waste a little bit of money. Right. But then that's also secondary. Right. And again, it doesn't mean it doesn't like stink in the meantime. Right. You got to go back to the store or, you know, now, you know, you might, might need that tap water. Right. But even though it has some, all those microplastics, but uh, <laughs> it's like, I don't know, man, like that's the thing, like everyone, I'm so sick of the self-deprecation of like, Oh, I could never bench that much or, Oh, I could, I could never make that much money or, Oh, I could never have the good things in life. But it's like, you can, you literally can, man. Nobody's, nobody's going to do it for you either. But if people realize like the gifts that God has given them, like they could be like everything they've wanted to be. And it's not just to have status or have clout or do this or do that. It's because it's like, you should want to do what's right in life. It's, it's so easy to just, live for yourself and live for the world. And we live in a wicked, sinful, broken world, man. I mean, like, look at what's going on today. You know, there's, there's just so much crap, you know, and it's like, everyone just like, where are the standards anymore, man? It's like, it's like, I like, I like half of the red pill movement, but then the other half bothers me. Right. It's like, Hey, like you're a man sleep with like all these, all these women, you're a stud. And it's like, no, like the mark of a true man is, you know, being able to say no to the 20 women around you and pick the one that you're actually going to make a covenant with God with like, that's, that's the mark of a true man. And that's what they won't tell you. You know, they'll discourage you from having a family because, you know, you can't afford anything right now, but 
who gives a crap? You know, like I remember they, they, there was a good line from Tucker Carlson. He was like, stop getting high, have a bunch of kids that you can't afford. You know, it's just like, just do it. You're, you're going to die one day. Like it just, and again, like that, that yellow crap isn't good. Like it's, it's not like entirely good. That doesn't mean justify bad behavior. Like, oh, like, you know, you'll only live once. Right. Or we're going to die one day. So, you know, screw it. Right. You know, but uh, it's just like, you know, just, just go out and just like be confident anymore. And like, that doesn't mean, you know, people talk about, oh, like there's a difference between confidence and cockiness. And I agree. I think you can talk a little crap in good nature to your friend. Like you should have a little like, you know, banter between friends and like just actually want them to do well. Because if if your friend group does well, you do well. Or like, you know, it, it is nice having more believers in the sport of powerlifting and just bodybuilding too. Cause there are like a lot of like believers in bodybuilding too. Um, you know, it just like, do we do these things for vanity or do we do them because you know, God gave us the abilities to, and like, do we do it for the right reasons or not? And like, it just, I, I don't know. Like I go to my gym and like, I hit a decent like set, right. Or like I bench like three reds, right. Which isn't even crazy anymore in the sport. Right. But a young lifter goes to me and he's like, Oh, I could never do that. And I'm like, dude, I thought I was going to be like 35 years old on a bunch of, bunch of tests, you know, like benching 400 pounds. And it's like, no, man, like, no, you don't have to, you know, like there's like, there's a, uh, there's a way to do these things, you know? And it's like, you know, people just don't believe in themselves for some, some reason, man. And it's like, I don't know. It, it's so easy to, you know, like listen to other people, like say like 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 who you hang out with is so important man like who you really surround yourself with is so important and that's why i love like just all you guys at team nori too like all like even the athletes man just like everybody's roster is just like awesome and like everybody i've been around at team craftsmanship too has been awesome as well i love that i have believers on my own roster and like we get to have these talks and like, I mean, not every call is just, you know, a spiritual one. Right. You know, but uh, like every, you know, cause I do like uh, like monthly calls with like everyone. Right. But it's this thing where like, like let's start raising people up because it's the right thing instead of just tearing others down or just like saying like, not even in a corny way either. Right. Like I'm always going to be honest with a lifter. Like if they can't bench 400 yet, they haven't even benched 300. I'm not going to say, Hey, we'll never be there. Right. But I'm going to be like, Hey, this is where we're at. And this is our trajectory. And this is like, you know, this is the plan going forward. Like, I, I want to believe in your ability to, you know, progress and do the right things. But yeah, it's just like that self-loathing, man. It's like, get over yourself, man. Get over it. Like everyone, like everyone's a victim. If you, if you really want to go, go down that road, everyone's a victim and everyone like can claim this in their life happened or that in their life happened. It's like, just grow up, grow up like, you know, go through the hard times. Like, and that's why when you have, like, when you, when you do really feel God's love, like, you know, that you can get through all of that, you know, like, it doesn't matter what's thrown your way. You just laugh at it now. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like it just, like, I can do anything, you know, like, that's the thing, like, that's the mindset that that's what it should be. And it's not my own doing. It's because of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And like, that's, that's the main point, you know? So, yeah, just like less self-deprecation, man, and more like uplifting, you know, and uh, I don't know, like that's that, that's just like a main point of emphasis for me now. It's like I'm really big with my athletes on like, uh, 
like a positive like affirmation, like, hey, we did super well doing this, but we got to, you know, make sure that we do a better job doing that. And like, I think that's a good thing. You know, like I'm I'm not really quick. I'm not really quick to be like, oh, like what what the heck? Like, you know, why why we do this or all oh, like we're injured again. What the what the crap? You know, and it's like, no, nah, man, like how you speak to people really matters. It really, really matters. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Uh does that all kind of make sense though? A little bit? Oh, absolutely, man. I think you bring a you know, a really good point at the end there of just of how you speak to people really mattering. Cause I do think, especially with a lot of young kids where now the direction that culture is going in is becoming increasingly negative. I mean, I look back, you know, for example, I, uh, you know, I don't use Facebook anymore, but I know that if I go on, it has like the, you know, on this day, however many years ago, it'll show you stuff that you've posted, whatever. It's just so negative, so nihilistic, so self-deprecating. And it's just, it's a miserable state to be in. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of people think it's virtuous, right? Like it's fake humility, right? Like people think that I, humility is, is being this self-deprecating person. And, you know, the, the virtues of today are tolerance of everything, self-deprecation, and it's, and it falls under the, you know, the, the, it's falsely defining humility and love and they are neither of those things and it, like i deal with it with the young lifters that i coach all the time who just have a very very negative self-perception and there's no doubt that you know some of them are, are brought upon by really tough life circumstances right and if you don't have anybody if you don't have god right that makes it increasingly difficult and then if you have a culture that's encouraging you to continue to beat yourself up over it right and continue to let the the sin or the negative thoughts in and then build a person upon that, it, of course, it's going to lead to to horrible things. And I think that that's been something especially that I've, you know, really like pondered about and thought about is like exactly what you're saying. Like, how can you speak to somebody that allows them to like renew their self-perception, renew their understanding of, you know, what, uh, what they're capable of renew their perception of like what it is that they're going through and like, how should I proceed from this terrible thing that happened? Right. Like I mentioned like the bottle thing, like that's nothing, right? Like th there, there are significant traumas or losses or what have you that all, all of us deal with. Right. And to quote another saint, cause I love doing this, right. The uh, Saint Padre Pio they made a movie about him. Shia LaBeouf played him. He just got confirmed in the Catholic Church, which was cool. But I think the quote is, uh, like, God bless the, the um, wow, now I'm drawing a blank on it. It's like, God bless, like, the hardship or God bless the the pain, the suffering that made you turn your head to, to the sky. Like, turn turn your head to God, right? And it's so true because, like, what you were saying before is like you're thankful for your your suffering it's like most people don't realize is like you know we're not masochists but going through suffering is what unites us to christ because he came down as a human fully human fully divine and suffered to tie himself to us and in order for us to tie ourselves to him 
we have to carry our cross as well. And for some people, it's going to be not so big. For some people, it's going to be really, really big. And I don't care how weak you are personally. I don't care how strong you are personally. The strongest person cannot carry the heaviest cross alone. And, you know, even, you know, a, a, a light cross can, can feel, you know, heavy for somebody without, you know, without God's grace. So yeah, man, I think, uh, unless there's anything else that you wanted to add, I feel like this is a good place to, to wrap this one up. Obviously we, we, we gave quite the, uh, quite the, uh, discussion here for, for some people to chew on. I'm sure there are some people who maybe have tuned out. Um, but for anybody who's listened thus far, we really appreciate you. We love you. And we hope that, uh, hope that there was something that spoke to you in this, in this conversation. Yeah, no, for sure. Thank you everyone for just listening and just taking the time. Um, I, I would, I would just add one thing. Um, I think like everybody has that like little, uh, like question of like, oh, like what's the purpose of life or like what's the meaning of life and stuff like that. I think it's less like, again, this isn't my quote. This is like Dr. Jordan Peterson. He's been great. Like, I think he's helped thousands of men like, you know, left and right. And they're trying to cancel him too. They've, they've been trying to cancel him forever. Right. Um, but uh, I think the meaning of life is lessening the burden of suffering of others. And I think that helps you at the end of the day. Like when you, when you bury your own suffering, like Christ did for us, you can actually help others, you know? And I think like you can't help others if you can't help yourself, right? If you can't put on your own pants on, you know, on, you know, in the morning, you can't do anything for your own self. How are you then going to have a family or like, how are you going to rise to the occasion when you're, when your child is sick or, you know, uh, one of, you know, uh, you lose a job or, you know, just one of these actual big things happen in your life. Like, how are you, how are you going to respond? Like, are you going to be strong at your own father's funeral or are you going to just whimper in the corner? You know, and that's, that's something I've had to wrap my brain around is like, nobody's going to, nobody's going to help you. Nobody's going to save you. Like you're already, like, you're already like, you've already received God's love. And it's like, if you can't now, like, you know, try to like lessen your suffering by lessening the suffering of others. Like I just, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's kind of the thing. Like you, you should be selfless. You should take care of yourself so you can take care of others is kind of what I'm trying to get at, you know? So I don't know. I don't know if you agree or not, but yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I haven't heard, I don't, I don't watch a lot of Jordan Peterson stuff, so I haven't heard him say that, but I would say that that's a pretty good, I would say that that, that, that tracks, I would say that that overlaps a lot with, you know, cause he's, he's not to belabor this point. Cause he's, I, I want to say he's Christian. I'm not yeah, he, sure. He's like, he's like, like he, yeah, he's like agnostic Christian kind of sort of like, yeah, I, he's I really, like, he's like, he's like, like, I feel like Christianity is like, it like logically makes sense to him. It's like, it's like an intriguing subject to him where he's like, I'll, right. I'll take this. Like in, it's, he's like intellectually Christian. I feel mm -hmm. like is the the way that I would describe him. But I would say, I would say that that description tracks, right? Because the two greatest commandments, right? Are to love God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy heart, all thy, all thy soul. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So I, I feel like that is a very fair command. Well, like, I, I also just want to preface real quick. Like, I, I don't think you should just take like uh, what he has to say 
as gospel either, right? Like, I don't think we should just worship mortal men either. Like, you can't just like listen to a clip of, you know, your favorite like red pillar and be like, oh yeah, I just, I worship this guy now. Or like, oh, I'll only think what Matt, Matt Walsh thinks, which again, I love Matt Walsh. He's one of my favorite like podcaster guys, but like, you know, you, you do have to form your own opinions and you have to, you know, not take everything like as gospel either. So the, I, the, I, the, the epistle of Jordan to the Breitbarts. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You shouldn't, you, we should not worship these people, but I mean, they, like they say some good stuff, you know what I mean? Wanted to say that. Yep. For sure, man. Well, I think that, uh, I think that wraps it up for today. This was episode, what did I say? 24. We gotta, we gotta get back on this more consistently and that's totally on me to make sure that we do, but I really appreciate your time, Nathan. I think this was a really good one. Yeah, Sean, thank you so much for having me, man. God bless you. I just, you know, I just really appreciate just being on here and a part of the team, man. It's been very life-changing. And, um, you know, I mean, these are fun too, man. Like being on a pod, like it, it, everybody's always like, oh, like I want to be on a podcast, but like, this is, this is very fun. Thank you so much for everything, man. Of course, brother. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Episode 24 of the High Bar Podcast. We'll see you guys in the next one where we will be having actually a fantastic episode uh jaron will be going over everything you need to know about directing a meet so that'll be a really good one thanks for tuning in guys take care